0: Hold up. Welcome to another episode of Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, with co-host Tim Langer. money. Today's episode, we'll be talking about mindfulness, compassion, and precision with Wario Flow. Today's guest is Adrian Molina. Adrian Molina is a well-known and respected instructor in Miami and New York. With an extensive worldwide following through the, his platform and school of yoga warrior flow and his longtime career with equinox adrian is a writer massage therapist reiki healer reiki healer meditation teacher sound therapist end of life doula mental health first aid facilitator and a Kriya yoga practitioner in the lineage of paramanahansa yogananda adrian is recognized for the community building work he does in miami and new york as founder and executive director of the warrior flow foundation which brings the benefits of the therapeutic and accessible yoga, mindfulness, and stress reduction tools to schools, shelters, hospitals, first responders, and hospice care. Adrian, welcome to
1: the show, bud. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Tim, for having me.
0: Of course. So Adrian, just kind of give us a a background, even though the bio did a great job. Um, I know you have a lot of, maybe certifications, uh, a lot of, uh, again, certifications and licenses who is Adrian Molina, and how did you get to where you're at, and where did Warrior Flow come from?
1: Do you have a couple of hours? No, <laughs> <Yeah>, we do. <laughs> we will do best. Um, it was funny. It's always kind of an interesting feeling to hear about, I mean, someone reading your, your, your bio, but mm-hmm. uh, basically I, I started my journey about 15 years ago or so uh, with, uh, within the yoga community, Uh, and it's through yoga that i expanded to different modalities and through different modalities i started to explore different uh ways of uh uh, you know connecting to body-mind connection and learning about myself it was at the beginning of my career i guess was more of a uh, a journey inward kind of trying to know who I was and why I more ex, more existential I think why I'm on the planet or and over the last couple of years after practicing yoga meditation Reiki uh, what I felt from the inside and and as I see the world and you know and you get older it was uh the need of moving more into uh, some kind of uh outlook on, on my work that was more related to giving back instead of simply teaching in the context of a yoga class or a studio and this happened about two three years ago i've been doing a lot of nonprofit work but about two three years ago for different situations and different personal circumstances that i went through I knew that uh, what I needed to do was move 100% into into what we're doing right now, which is uh, through our nonprofit offering the benefits of yoga, mindfulness and meditation. It was a lot, I think I see everything happens for a reason, but who I am today is the, the product over 15 years of looking and researching and experiencing Everything that was out there, uh, in terms of self-help and, and, uh, spirituality is a combination and it's still going, I wish I could say, Hey, I'm done. I learned everything that that I'm supposed to learn, but, um, I'm, I'm an accumulation of 15 years of being on the field and trying to find out what works and what doesn't pretty much.
0: So it was through your experiences. Obviously, you've had, I think you mentioned 15 or 16 years of yoga practice, internal reflection, uh, purpose, almost like purpose-finding work, where you try to figure out, all right, who's Adrian Molina? What am I supposed to do here? What am I good at? And how can I serve others? Um, And then through that work, uh, obviously, you, you created an really met a lot of people um, through your network of yoga and meditation and movement, through all the modalities that you created, but then you went through and evolved into this new transition of this nonprofit work. And this is where you have, you work with like the shelters, the first uh, first responders, and trying to share basically a lot of your experiences that you had through this, correct?
1: Yes. Uh, yeah, so if I look back, it that's exactly what happens. But as I was going through none of those questions were as, as clear i was pretty much following my path of okay i did yoga and so yoga is kind of helpful but if i add massage therapy i think they can go, go well together mm-hmm. and then as i did massage therapist then i realized oh wait a minute but within massage i really like Thai yoga and then as I was going through Thai Yoga, I realized, wow, but it's also the subtle body. I would like to learn more about energy and Reiki and Chakras. And and it was one step to the next one. And I always it, it was always very graceful and very uh natural in the transitions. But I think one of the things that that, that was kind of uh, it, it marked a big change, it was when I had to, when I experienced a couple of uh, difficult situations, particularly related with mental health. I was diagnosed with a major depressive disorder when my husband and I we moved from New York to Miami, and that was the single thing that kind of makes me look back and and look at everything that I've been doing for the last couple. I mean, for the last ten years or so, and organize everything uh, in a different way. And I think going through depression myself and and losing my mom in particular as i was dealing with depression um that those were the two factors that it really they really pushed me to to come up with a nonprofit and and understand there's a lot of things out in the world that need to be done there's a lot of help needed and someone has to do the the work and that's pretty much how the nonprofit came came into the picture after so many years of kind of wondering and learning. I'm still learning.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I mean, we all do. And uh, I mean, the, yeah, you mentioned too many points. I have now questions too, but even before coming back to these points you mentioned, um, I, I was thinking, let's say, I understand that basically probably the warrior flow is a combination of a lot of things you were right uh, mentioned. So for our listeners, so what is warrior flow and what is different in terms of warrior flow than maybe some other yoga practices which are out there?
1: So basically, when I lived in New York for more than 10 years and I have a long, uh, long-standing career with Equinox. And when I, I was in Manhattan I, around 2006, 2007, I noticed that everything that was happening within the yoga community surrounding me, I was, it, it was too, uh, it was all the same. Everything was teaching the same way. Everything was about putting their bodies into a specific posture and very acrobatic, very demanding. And because I I come from a background of, uh, approaching yoga more as a lifestyle than n- not necessarily a, a posture, a sequence of postures, I felt that I didn't belong. I felt kind of awkward. Plus, New York has this thing that is very, very competitive. So what ended up happening once my classes in New York became kind of uh, well-established and well-attended, and and I had a following of practitioners following me all around Manhattan what ended up happening is that I requested to to Equinox management to see if I could change the title of my classes to a different name mm-hmm. and so I, I came up with the name warrior flow and I intentionally chose warrior flow as the name because it didn't it did not include the word it does not include the word yoga in it so it was at the beginning this is probably 2007 2006 it was a way for me to to give myself the freedom of being able to teach a format that although yoga inspired it also allowed me to bring elements from different different uh, disciplines from personal training mobility exercises pilates and and so it, it was my way of breaking free from the expectation that some people might have coming to a yoga class, particularly back in the day in New York, which still very competitive. So at the beginning, Warrior Flow was just a was a a, a a title on an Equinox schedule. Over the years, fast forward to 2019, Warrior Flow became more of a community platform. It became a a I don't like to use the word brand, but I think that that would be the easiest way of describing it. Uh, A community or a brand uh, that offered yoga retreats, international retreats, uh, a a yoga school offering yoga teacher trainings, workshops. Um, Then it became a platform online, an Instagram, on Facebook. And then until 2019, I decided to take the next step of continuing with the previous work of international retreats and education, Uh, we still have the Warrior Flow School of Yoga and the Warrior Flow for-profit, let's put it this way for someone who's into business, for-profit side of the business. But since 2019, we created the Warrior Flow Foundation, which is the non-for-profit side of the work. And it's pretty much bringing all the resources of yoga, mindfulness, movement, not not necessarily yoga, meditation, but movement, exercise, stress reduction to every single place where you wouldn't expect to have yoga. So people usually don't associate yoga with hospitals or they don't associate yoga with um, shelters and stuff like that. So we pretty much bring all these uh, resources of yoga and movement and stress reduction to the places where they're usually forgotten, and not necessarily because they're underserved, like you might think of homeless population, but also places like you know going to a hospital and teaching to a room full full of doctors and surgeons. So that's pretty much what we are at this moment.
0: Talk to us about the the aspects of mindfulness, compassion, and uh, and passion when it comes to Warrior flow, How do those aspects um, build off on a warrior flow?
1: Well, I think the mindfulness element of it is just you know when you look at yourself where you are in the world and and what have you accomplished, and you know I realized that you know what there's only much that I can do teaching yoga classes to rich people, and again, no judgment. I love my rich people. they pay my bills and and everything, but you know, when I when I turned 40, I and I took a look, a deep look within myself, and and as I said, as I mentioned earlier, after experiencing deep uh, my own struggles with losing my mom and grief and depression, you, you look back at the at the practices that you've been teaching for for the longest, and and I mean, I think it's a natural progression asking yourself, okay, how can I do, first of all, to help myself? And second of all, now that I'm okay, how can I bring these tools into the world? So the mindfulness is it's an, it's, it's an everyday conversation. I don't see mindfulness as a, a as just a, as a modality or discipline that you do five or 10 minutes. I think mindfulness, the, the most important way of practicing mindfulness, is mindfulness in action. Um, but that's pretty much what I will do. I mean, that's pretty much what we try to train every facilitator of our nonprofit. We, we are facilitators of creating a space in every patient, every client that we work with and helping them to understand perhaps a bigger perspective, larger picture. Um, I don't know if that answers your question.
0: Yeah, absolutely absolutely so that's that was the mindfulness component and the compassion obviously where you're trying to help more uh and you talked about something i want to i I guess i i uh, summed it up in this way um you talked about underserved and then you talked about the doctors and i guess the anybody else that comes off of that but I, i i wanted to label them even though labels aren't necessarily good but as far as the reference so the audience understands so i put it in the in the aspect of underserved and unexperienced so those that may not be getting the attention that they should be getting uh, like you mentioned the homeless uh, maybe the uh, people that uh, again are have this lack of care or maybe the lack of attention or support and then you have the other side that may be doing well uh, maybe are not as bad as the first group but they might not know the benefits of yoga or a meditation practice or a movement practice like you guys are, are sharing um, and those are the, not, I, I guess what you, you try to say is usually a lot of people go for that first group because it's kind of like the normal thing to do, the underserved, but you also want to not only help that first group, but also help those that can also help that first group in a different way, but teaching them about this yoga and the meditation and the movement aspect of what you guys bring with warrior flow. And again, I don't know if it makes sense for me to bring into those two groups, but, um, yeah, I think- yeah.
1: Um, i I you know let me just think about how can I offer a, 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 a an answer the main sense um, so yes he, in the way that our minds thinks it's like we think that you know for example when we first started offering this program um, we I started going to the hospital as a volunteer and And that program, because I knew that the medical residents in the hospitals and any medical residents around the world and doctors in general are one of the populations with the highest percentage of stress and burnout and depression, and surprisingly, also the highest rate, one of the highest rates of suicide. And so when you know about that, then you're no longer looking at the doctors as This very successful career that pays very well. But you're starting to see, talking about compassion a few moments ago, you start to see doctors and medical residents with with a different set of eyes. Mm -hmm. But also, the reality is that there's a lot of people in homeless shelters who are going through mental, difficult mental health situations, forget about, I mean, financial situations, Uh, families, entire families that are living, uh, they live on their cars for weeks or months until before they get some place safe. In my mind, the important thing of reaching, and again, I don't like to generalize, I don't like to say two groups, like uh, a group with money and group without money or for different socioeconomic uh, standards. But for me, it's important to offer the same tools that I offer to someone who is homeless or someone who works at a homeless shelter to the same tools that I offer to someone who works as a police or someone who is in prison, an inmate. Because ultimately what we realize or what I realize is the struggles are exactly the same. And we all go through the same struggles all the time. So that's why our intention is to expand our program to so many different demographics
2: that totally makes sense and it's it's yeah it's a it's a very great course is it sometimes is it sometimes challenging to to I mean you offer these let's say these services is it easy to get accepted from different demographics or do you do you have different challenges to does everyone see right away the benefit you can offer or is there some some learning process there as well for, for the ones you offer the service to?
1: That's actually a good question, Tim. Um, it depends. Like, you know, we're lucky to work with certain hospitals that are very aware of what the needs of their uh, doctors are. And of course, there will be some, uh, you know, at the beginning there might be some, Relaxancy, resistance from, from the doctors once you start. But once they try the work that we do once or twice, they kind of, you know, they kind of see the purpose. You know, imagine you're doing this whole day of, you know, a of a medical resident, and then out of 14 hours of work, you have 30, 40 minutes where you're just working on your breath and relaxation. At the beginning, it might be shocking because some of them never tried this before and they're also are in their workplace and they tend to associate being in the hospital to being you know, a very sympathetic system, very alert. So what we bring to them is kind of a break on their, on their, uh, on their routine. In the other hand, just to give you another example, the work that we do specifically at Camila's house um, I was approached at the beginning by Camila's house to offer some of our programs there. And right away we hit it off with the with a, with the guests and and they're so excited every time that we show up with our facilitators to the shelter and they've been requesting to have more classes. So it varies. Each place is different. And also remember that yoga and meditation, although very mainstream and Instagram and very mainstream for for some of us, for all of us who have the privilege or or, or the means, it's not as mainstream when you talk about um, this population. So it depends. But for the most part, we had an amazing experience. We work with another nonprofit called Exchange for Change. And through that nonprofit, we go to prison. And that was one of the uh, Moments where I wasn't sure about, okay, how am I going to take yoga, mindfulness, and conscious movement to the prison, to the inmates? I've never been in a prison myself before. And I remember going there for the first time. And I went with two assistants and and Kathy, which is the, on, the founder of this nonprofit. And I had the most wonderful experience, perhaps one of the highlights of my entire career as a a yoga teacher because I I show up there with a lot of uh, expectations and fears, thinking that they were not going to be receptive to it. And nonetheless, they were so open the inmates. And not only that, but at the very end, they were extremely grateful. So you never know.
0: I think um, you mentioned something, uh, the transition that you had, where obviously you were working on yourself, you built yourself up uh, to the point where now, okay, I'm ready to really take this to the next level and help others, which is you you created the foundation, uh, Warrior Flow Foundation. But I think also that transition goes to the same people you're working with. And I think I'm sure this is something you guys have thought about as well, is where again, it can be anywhere from the less fortunate or the not as supported, however you want to categorize, I mean, I don't, not that we want to categorize, but group them in the sense that you can have an idea of who we're talking about. And then the uh, doctors from who you mentioned, um, or maybe others that might be helping other people, but not might be may not be in a, in a, uh, in a good position themselves to really give the energy or give what they're trying to give to help or the service. Um, so what I see it as is the same transition that you're having is you're helping except you are facilitating that, that, uh, that journey. Right. So for example, uh, if we go through the homeless person, the homeless person is going through the financial, through the lifestyle struggles, um, you know, not having the ability to have a home and stuff like that. So not just that, but also the mental health aspect of it, you guys coming in, doing the mindfulness, doing the meditation, giving them, movement, because we know that movement itself changes moods, changes uh, people's perspective yeah. um, and gives them the opportunity to learn strategies of uh, learning how to deal with difficult situations and hopefully transitions to, again, helping them make that next step, whether it is trying to find a job or what have you. But I think also in the other spectrum that we talked about, I think that's a better word, spectrum rather than category. In the other yeah. spectrum where we have... Uh, the doctors, right? Where obviously, uh, part of the medical health or, or the medical community, or who are helping others that are in need, they too go through some tough stuff, right? Not just um, obviously they have their financial and lifestyle struggles, but in this service that they're providing, they're gonna have uh, they're gonna have times where what they're trying to do doesn't work. So they have someone who they uh, deeply care for, like a patient um, that you know doesn't survive something. Um, or an illness that really doesn't get better, but was you know whatever it may be, they also, uh, like you mentioned, suicide rate and all that, um, they also go through those tough times. And I think um, a lot of times, not just doctors, but anybody that's uh, that's successful or uh, that we deem successful, because we know that success is relative to the person seeing it, um, we may see, oh wow, this person, uh, you mentioned Instagram, this person has. Uh, Thousands or a hundred thousand lights. They must be doing. They must be doing great. They must feel so awesome by, uh, about themselves. Or a doctor. Oh, he's driving this. Or he's a doctor. He's been a doctor for this long. Or she. Um, they must got everything figured out, which is not necessarily the case. And and I find and I find that is usually not the case. Um, that we like you mentioned that we all deal with something. And I think that the the project and the work that you guys are doing, um, not just with your private clients. Uh, but this nonprofit sector that you guys have started and and have uh, really uh, reached out to these communities to help them, I think is not only only inspiring, but it's also very difficult on your end, right? Because again, you you are trying to, when, when we're talking about human behavior and working with other humans, it's not just like fluffy and there are an exchange of energy there's an exchange even though you have this positive outlook and positive desire to help this person that might that person might not feel the same or it might take some time to get there so there is that friction and barrier uh, but also their challenges will affect you it's just the nature of the game Uh, but like i mentioned i think they too are going through this transition from self-care right getting them to get to a point where maybe mentally they're at a better. better uh space uh physically they start to feel better less joint pain less discomfort Um, lifestyle wise they're able to strategize better they have a better outlook to life so and then the cool thing and i'm sure you probably guys have seen this um, and maybe we can talk about that is once once you guys start to work Um, more with these groups or maybe maybe you don't have the opportunity to work with to work with them as often but just that one time that you're able to light that light bulb in their mind in their body to say wow you know this movement thing this meditation thing really made me feel better Uh, maybe I don't have to do xyz to get me to that space Uh, or maybe um, I can do this to help me deal with some of the challenges that I'm dealing with so you start to give them tools Mm -hmm um and then they start to realize themselves and start to improve themselves to to the point where i think as any teacher as any coach if the person that we're working with if they're able to teach if they're able to educate someone else that they see that may be going to a similar uh, situation um, may be able to teach what they learn that's the ultimate learning that's the ultimate transition uh, which is again, I go back to the self-care to service, right? Which I think not only as teachers but also as students uh, and and as patients, we go through. And I think it's important to note. Um, and again, it goes back to the the work that you're also doing. Well, again, with these communities. So um, I just wanted to highlight that and just give it a different uh, perspective. It's, you know. Thank you very much for what you're doing is basically what I'm trying to say, Thank
1: you. Thank you, Andy. I think there's a lot of valuable points and what you just said. Um, So, you know, going back to one of the the subjects that we talked about earlier about compassion, and it's that when you, when, I mean, in my personal experience, when I went through uh, uh, the loss of my mom, I was able to be, I mean, I had to be in the hospital for a long time, and this was back in Argentina. And I got to see from 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 a different perspective the work of our healthcare personnel, and and so that was one of the motivations after my mom passed and I came back to the U.S. on doing that. And and yes, once you know that you want to help, it's important to remind yourself that you're going to be going to places and you become a facilitator and the populations that you're going to be working with they're not they might not be necessarily open to what you have to give mm-hmm. and the important reminder I think as a facilitator as a teacher as a coach is that you're the one who's bringing a message but then some people might take it or not and this is important when you work with such a uh, so such a very specific types of populations, they, they go through so much trauma and mental health because you understand that they might not be ready at this moment or they might be sitting there because they're, it's a mandatory thing for them. They have to be there. Uh, and you also have to understand that maybe that day it didn't click, but then they go back to their sales or they go back to the room. So they go back to their, their work. And then over the week, something happens and it clicks what we experience in the practice. So it's important to go and offer our tools uh, with non-attachment. And that's, I think, it's a good way for self-care for the facilitators. So yes,
2: um, definitely. Just coming back to one point you just mentioned, and I think you mentioned it a couple of times already. So, the the aspect of unfortunately losing your mother, and um, I also saw just a recent article you published, um, which was called "The Gifts We Can Find in Grief," which was I found really, really good and really interesting. I was also um, going through a process here myself with my wife, who who recently lost someone very close to her. So which gifts did you find in grief for the ones who didn't read your article yet
1: so first of all sorry about, about your loss and your wife um so this article that i recent, recently published it was about um you know how our society in a way avoids the conversation of uh, dying and, and that's one of the reasons why some of the programs that we're offering are tailored for palliative care within hospices. But for me, for example, losing the person that I love the most in the world, which is my mom, and losing my mom under circumstances that were less than ideal, it kind of, it, I mean, not at the beginning of the process. I mean, grief is a process that can last forever, but at the beginning, it was a very tough um life situation to go through it but ultimately i think it gave me the fuel and the energy and the resilience that i need to to show up to a jail or shelter without feeling depleted or without feeling that i'm not good enough or without feeling that they're taking my energy when you go through situations to difficult life experiences you, I don't wanna say that your skin gets thicker, although it does in a way, but you're also developed, going back to the word compassion, a level of compassion that extends beyond your own understanding. And so looking back and you can see a very difficult chapter like someone losing a loved one, and you can see how uh, there's always an element of uh, internal exploration, uh, uh, a journey within yourself that you do, and you reevaluate your relationships with that person, even after they're gone. And for the most part in my experience, at least talking about my mom, I redefined most of our relationship after she was gone. And based on that, I... I knew what I wanted to do moving forward, and that's what I always say that the main inspiration behind the work of the nonprofit, it came from my mom. And I always say that one, if not the biggest or most important gift that she gave me was allowing me to be next to her when she died, and allowing me to be next to her and allowing me to take care of her as she and us and all of us who we were our family. We were going through that very difficult time. So when you experience that so closely and, you know, it makes you think, it makes you wonder, it makes you question what's your role in the world? What are you doing with your life? What do you want to do next with your life? I mean, how you appreciate time. It's a, I think it's an eye opener and sometimes it's too, too strong to handle it, but I think it can be seen in a different perspective.
0: Yeah, I think you, you mentioned two things. Um, especially when you're working with other people, like I mentioned, it definitely can be difficult, but definitely when something as deep or as, as strong as someone, uh, again, death, uh, it can be a very uncomfortable uh, conversation like you mentioned, but it could also be a very difficult thing to surpass um once it happens. And you mentioned something, two things actually, and they both start with ease. The first one is experience. Um I think again, unfortunately that, that it, unfortunately, fortunately, right? Unfortunately the loss of a loved one, um we don't we don't want that to ever happen. Um but I think we can learn a lot from that. One, like you mentioned, the reflection that we get of uh, the gratitude that we that we that we get showered with, the fact that we really reflect on the time that we were able to to spend with them. um But on top of that, you also build, like you mentioned, tough skin. But you also build, which is the other word that you mentioned, is empathy for others that are going through the same thing. So it's especially when again when you're working human to human um it's very difficult sometimes to put yourself in somebody's shoes and i think somebody that's going through something um can also think of hey like you don't know what i'm going through so how could you help me so i think as as coaches teachers really as anyone trying to help anyone um the best thing that we can always um lean on is our experiences right And using those experiences um, to be able to create empathy, I think is one of the powerful tools that we do have. Um, And I think you have done a fantastic job uh, from what it seems like with Warrior Warrior Flow and the Warrior uh, Foundation, using both of those, using your experiences, not not only as a teacher, as a coach, as a a meditation uh, teacher, practitioner, facilitator, um, using those experiences and then being able to to understand the person in front of you or you or understanding the, the group mm-hmm. in front of you and that's such a powerful tool to be able to harness and I think for a lot of us sometimes when we're going through something very difficult um it may seem like we're the only ones going through that um which is why having facilitator having practitioner someone who can kind of guide you along the way is a big uh is an important key aspect to overcoming that but Um, yeah, as a practitioner, I think, you know, it's almost important to go through those difficult situations as well, so that you can, like I said, you can be in that person's shoes, be able to help them and guide them, uh, more appropriately. But yeah, those, those two words stood out from what you were just saying, um, and from the article that you mentioned is, is the, is that experience that you had, um, and plus the empathy that starts to build. I think that more than anything, I think that's what starts to build empathy. You're, you're, um, Emotional intelligence for not only yourself and how you deal with situations, but how other people uh, do it as well, and how you can facilitate uh, that process. So, yeah, that's something very interesting that I got from what you just said, and I, which is, I think is an important point.
1: Thank you. I uh, yeah, I I agree on that, and and building on on that, when you go through those experiences, you know, at least in my experience, I never when I look back now I don't it's not that I was saying okay let me go through this experience so then I can go and share with other people right I was just going through that experience myself and Mm -hmm. trying to observe and live those experiences as a witness and then after the experience happened and all the processing emotions were processed when you look back and I just realized, and particularly with the case of my mom, I realized people were asking me, how are you doing? Maybe for a week or two, are you feeling better? And then after two, three weeks, people think that you're back to normal and you you should be functional. Like if nothing happened. So I realized that, um, that there's a, I mean, it was the first time that I experienced that. And the reality is that all of us, <laughs> this, All of us, we will experience that at one moment or the other. And so I realized if I'm going through this and I am seen as someone who has been in the yoga community, someone who's been doing this for a while, and I'm not able to handle it and to keep myself together, that means that probably everyone is going through the same thing behind doors closed. So that's when you yeah. when you made the decision, you know what, let me take a step further, let me be a spokesperson, because obviously there's a lot of us who are going or will go through it, and and that's when the empathy and the, and the sincere desire of wanting to provide resources, it's not the happiest subject to talk about it, but sadly it's a subject that everyone is going to go through it, whether we talk about it or not. So it's better than just, I mean, I think it's better just to talk about it, even if it's uncomfortable.
2: You most definitely, and I fully can relate to everything you just said. Um, moving on a little bit, I mean, you also mentioned that you're, like we you probably, many of us or all of us are on an ever learning journey. So what are some of the things you have in mind you want to continue to learn or improve or learn totally different subjects maybe that you haven't touched yet? Any anything particular comes to your mind?
1: Um, I mean, there's so many things. I, I I'm very devoted at this time of my life to the work that we're doing through the nonprofit. There's not a particular subject that I want to learn more about it, but I want to continue. Uh, I, I want to continue noticing what's happening in the world, what research is being done about brain, about mental health. What are the new, new trends within yoga? At this moment, I'm taking two trainings. I'm taking a training for uh, yoga, uh, accessible yoga uh, with a dear friend of mine. I'm taking another uh, yoga certification online, um, in particularly how to uh, make someone feel comfortable in a yoga practice that might not be uh, your stereotype of, uh, uh, type of body it might, it might be a larger body so there's not a particular uh, thing or topic that I'm looking to learn more I'm just I'm clear about what, what the pillars of our foundation are and I, I'm clear that I'm a student so I always keep doing trainings and continuing education as I also offer these tools for someone who might be new on the path. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm very excited about extending the work of our nonprofit to hospices and and nursing homes, which is very important. But uh, yeah, I continue to to learn and to buy books on Amazon and and particularly these times with everything that's happening, I'm very curious to see how the our industry shifts uh, from a in person relationship to an online and how technology plays a role in our mind body disciplines and how technology plays a role um, in the way we do our work through the nonprofit. I'm very curious about that actually.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see uh, this next step after uh, the coronavirus situation. It's it's gonna be very interesting.
1: Yeah, that's, that's one of the, I mean, we were by force. Um, we had a group of approximately 20 facilitators and uh, between me and the facilitators, we were going to the hospital for the shelters. And then all of a sudden the world went into a major uh, stop. So within 48 hours, we had to switch our model from from being a, a a physical programs, sending a facilitator to a hospital to provide all these programs online, and now uh, I mean I have to say the programs are going really well, and we have expanded to other agencies and other uh, facilities. And yeah, I'm, I'm kind of looking, and every day I'm trying to see, okay, what will be the next step? And I think everything happens for a reason. I think it's a big learning pro- uh, learning phase for many of us, particularly communicators and facilitators. And all might be challenging right now, I think we're all gonna come out of it learning a new set of skills.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be very interesting within the next uh, few weeks, hopefully, if it gets to that point, but uh, or the next few months at least. Uh, with that being said, I know Tim had another question.
2: Yeah, sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> no worries. I, I was talking for a minute. <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, yeah, no, I was just wondering in terms of the, that, what you just learned in, uh, or what you just said about learning in, in the current COVID-19 situation and moving to online. Is that something you see you're, you continue to go in that direction as well once even COVID might go to a regular or more new normal? Or is it like you, you might return into more of the, let's say, the, the old practices you had in terms of your, your client um, relationships and so on?
1: That, that's a $1 million, $1 million question right there. I, uh, I, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be a combination of both because what, what's happening, I think, is uh, our society for the first time has been kind of forced to rely on technology to stay connected. Yeah, and, and so i think that yeah once things go back to some kind of normal yes we everyone appreciates the, the the physical presence of a facilitator but now everyone is more open-minded when it comes to using the phone i experience that every day i taught uh my online class this morning to hundreds of people from all all, all around the world and if, if you think about six months ago, nobody will want to do a class on their phone, but now everyone is looking forward to that because they keep it connect, they keep them connected and they keep them sane and, and, and fit. So I think moving forward, this is a, a game changer for not only a, non, a nonprofit, but it's a game changer for everyone who's an educator, communicator, facilitator. People are more open. We now understood the importance of technology. So it's up to us how we want to use it moving forward.
0: Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. And like you said, it's a million dollar question. But I think uh, if we continue to do the work that we're doing now, uh, I think everything else will solve itself later on. Uh, with that being said, Adrian, what is, what's the best way for our audience uh, to reach out to you if they had any more questions or wanted to reach out to you?
1: So the best way, I mean, we are in every single social media out there. We're on Instagram under Warrior Flow Official. That's our international account. We also have an account on Instagram for the uh, foundation, Warrior Flow Foundation. We are on Facebook. If you type Warrior Flow on Facebook, you'll see us. Our website is warriorflow.com. And they can email us or send us direct messages. We're really good with social media. We spend all of our day blue to the phone. (laughs) And so we're very quick in replying messages. And uh, for anyone who's interested in learning more about the foundation, we're always happy to share more about it. And there are different ways of getting involved, uh, volunteering, donating, time, donating, financial donations, all of that is on the website. Um, And I'm very appreciative to you guys for giving me the opportunity of sharing about the work that we're doing.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Like you mentioned, donations uh, and again, everything that Adrian is talking about, the Instagram links the Facebook links, the website, even we'll put down the donation link that they have. We'll make sure to put it down here. You should be able to see it on the show notes. Um, Like we always ask for our guests, we usually ask for a book recommendation. And Adrian asked or Adrian gave us the autobiography of, of a yogi by Pramahansana Yogananda. I'm Not sure if I, if I said that right.
1: <laughs> uh, Paramahansa Yogananda. There you go. Sure. What Adrian said.
0: Uh, can you just give us like a, a brief review of what the book is about, so in case that the audience is uh, interested?
1: So, uh, there two things about the book. For anyone who's not much into reading, there's a documentary on Netflix called uh, called Awake, which is pretty much his uh, the story of Paramahansa Yogananda. This book, Autobiography of a Yogi, is a book that is considered one of the most important spiritual books of the uh, of the last century, and it it pretty much describes he writes about his journey coming from India into the into America, and how he shared to to a new audience the benefits of yoga, the benefits of meditation. Um, not necessarily from yoga, from a physical aspect, like we're seeing it these days, as postural, but the real meaning of yoga as a as a as a way of connecting to our full potential. So he came to 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 the west and he opened uh, schools and uh, a very important large organization around the world. And it's one of my favorite books because. Um, every time that I read about the book, I'm reminded why I do what I do. And anyone who who's into into communication, mindfulness, yoga, anyone who needs a little bit of spiritual connection when you feel disconnected, I think it's such a wonderful book, and you can by reading it, you can you can feel um, the love and going back, the compassion. From the person who wrote it, Paramahansa Yogananda. It's one of my top three books.
0: Great. I'm definitely going to uh, look into that. Definitely the Netflix uh, portion as well. Yeah. Uh, as me and, my, me and my wife have been uh, binging videos and, <laughs> and series yes. in the last few weeks. Yeah. Um, all right so this next part we have two more parts before we close here uh this last part is uh speed round which we just meet between me and tim we have some questions here prepared which will fire your way and you have a minimal amount of time to answer them uh it just gives us the opportunity to get to know you adrian a little bit more in the audience to get to know you as well and then uh the last part would be uh three thank yous that we always like to give are you ready adrian let's go Tim, are you ready to fire? Oh, uh, sure.
2: Would uh, Adrian, would you rather um, explore the space or the ocean?
0: Space. Wow, okay. Um, last movie you saw, Adrian?
1: Um, Scarface.
0: Okay. Would you r- rather be slightly late
2: or super early? Super early, but I'm always late.
0: <laughs> uh, favorite food, Adrian?
1: Um pasta
0: pasta okay uh
2: any item on your bucket list in terms of places you want to see or experience you want to go through
1: um that's a good question um scuba diving i guess oh. okay yeah. um
0: i'll do one more and then tim will finish up with his last one um what is your greatest fear adrian
1: Oh man, (laughs) I need time for that one. Uh, Not fulfilling my purpose.
0: Yeah. Okay.
2: What is the most surprising self-realization you had about yourself?
1: Can you, can you repeat that question again?
2: Sure. What is the most surprising self-realization you had about yourself?
1: Um, I'm not a, I'm not as tough as I think I am.
2: <laughs>
0: okay. All right, Adrian, you've survived speed round yeah. connecting with radio. Um, this last part is uh, this whole, this whole episode is important, but this last part is even more important to make sure that we get this through. Um, the first one is thank you. Uh, thank you to you, Adrian, for taking the time to speak with me and Tim, uh, or to show that Tim and I, um, on this episode, um, I know as far as we're concerned, we learned a lot. And I know the audience and the listeners listening right now will definitely have a lot of takeaways um, and maybe even some reflection points um, to, to learn about. Um, so thank you very much for taking the time, Adrian.
1: Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. The second thank you goes to our listeners, uh, because if it wasn't for anybody listening to this, it would just be uh, Tim and I, and I guess like you, Adrian, just uh, going back and forth. But again, we thankfully we have uh, built a pretty good community here uh, with Connected Move Radio, um, and we cannot thank you guys enough to the listeners. Um, again, you could have been listening to anything at this moment or watching anything at this moment, but you chose to listen and tune into this episode. Uh, with Adrian Medina so thank you very much for that Molina sorry thank you very much for that Um, this last part or this last thank you goes to our clients our students our patients and those who we get to work with on a daily basis Um, again for people just like us who um, love to service people and help people to have someone on the receiving end um, who values what we get to um, teach who we get to share the experiences that we're able to talk about. Um, again, thank you very much. Thank you very much for uh, giving us the opportunity to uh, move forward and to continue to spread the knowledge. With that being said, this is Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, signing out. Hey there, Andy Fortuna here, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. I love the opportunity to connect and share information with passionate people just like you, and would love the opportunity to do the same for others. So please take the time right now to leave a five-star review and help spread the word about this podcast. Thank you so much for your support, and see you on the next episode.